You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Hi, this is Dr. John Langlois. And I am Dr. Allison Marshall, and you are listening to the special monthly Chi University episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network. Good morning, Horse World. Welcome to our once-a-month look at traditional Chinese veterinary medicine with the Chi University. So, so today on the Chi Podcast, we have Dr. Vicki Harvey, who is, um, I must say, one of my very favorite people in the world, but also a fellow teacher with John and I at the Chi University. And she has a practice in Central Florida that focuses a lot and has focused on reproduction. So even as a regular vet, if my understanding is repro was kind of her focus, and she's taking it to has taken it to totally the next level in adding traditional Chinese veterinary medicine into helping get mares pregnant, get stallions more um, functional. So all repro things um, are very well suited with TCVM. And I'm super happy that she's here. Hey, Vicki. Hey, Allison. Thank you for that super sweet introduction. <laughs> I appreciate you and John as well. We've been friends for a long time in this journey, haven't we? So why don't you start with telling us a little bit about sort of what you did as a normal repro vet and kind of, and, and John, I know you've done a whole lot of uh, reproductive medicine before um, turning into a Chinese medicine practitioner. So why don't you all um, discuss a little bit, you know, the more traditional approach to um, equine fertility? All right. Well, I'll get started. Um, well, Full disclaimer, I don't practice um, primarily equine reproduction anymore. Um, I'm mostly uh, being a teacher at Chee University and teaching so many people. I basically help people with tough cases. Many of them are, are my are fellow colleagues, not so much clients, but colleagues that are having tough cases on the client's behalf. And I help them sort through that that way. I did used to have a full service equine reproduction center just outside of Gainesville for about 15 years that I no longer have anymore. I, I basically am focused on practicing traditional Chinese veterinary medicine in the sport horse for all kinds of issues <clears throat> and, excuse me, and uh, spinal manipulation like uh, you two do as well. And of course, teaching at Chi University. So, yep, not so much, uh, deep diving into equine reproduction practice, but definitely um, constantly helping our colleagues out in the field all over the world with tough cases. So that's basically the extent of, of my reproduction practice as it goes, other than having horses myself. And it's always infinitely interesting to uh, equine reproduction is so much fun. And John, you can attest to this. It's just the um, the the science is constantly progressing. We're constantly discovering as Western medicine practitioners the newest, latest, and greatest that science has to offer, and it helps unfold the the puzzles that these mares and stallions and foals give us. So that's that's where I stand on all of that. Is that helpful? Yes, and uh, Vicky, it's interesting enough. Um, 
I, I think more and more of practitioners are are reaching out to the alternative. And I remember I went to a veterinary meeting in 2009. There was probably 40 uh, equine uh, specialists there. And I asked them, is there anybody here that is doing acupuncture for their reproductive practice? And there was not one person that raised their hand. So times are different now. And I think uh, as you and I will discuss as we go along, the benefits of incorporating TCVM into reproductive cases is is huge. So uh, I'm they, yeah, they are different. And back in 2009, I remember going to American Association of Equine Practitioners um, conferences and conventions. And of course, the line, there's a, a large portion of just equine repro talks at these. And starting from when I graduated back in 2004 and proceeding till now, there are so many more of our colleagues that use acupuncture and the Chinese herbal formulas and have gotten training by us on how to apply this to their repro practices because it works. It just, that's just the bottom line is it works. You can't deny it. Even the world health organization um, suggests that one of the, the major cool things that acupuncture and Chinese based acupuncture, the, the medicine and the theory that drives the acupuncture and the herbals really helps increase fertility in subfertile women and men. And most of the subfertility clinics around the country, this country, the United States, offer or have links to trained acupuncturists for reproduction. And it's really what got me excited about it as a student before I graduated, knowing I was going to focus my practice mostly on reproduction. And it's interesting, there's um, a, a large number now of peer-reviewable clinical studies that are done mostly in, in TCM, traditional Chinese medicine for people, um, where the results are, are fantastic, where they had control groups where one was getting TCVM and the other was not. And the results were significantly better for, for uh, TCM, both in acupuncture and in herbal so, again, a lot of research out there, and it's really supportive for us. It, it is. And it, I think it makes it easier for the folks out there, um, for your, your veterinarians that are helping you with your mares and stallions, whether they're having problems or not, they know that this is out there. Most of them do. And um, I wouldn't be afraid if I were you. If you're struggling or you don't want to struggle <laughs> and you really love Chinese medicine and offering that for your farm or for your horse to go ahead and have that conversation with your general practitioner. Don't be afraid to do so. Um, they've been exposed to it by now, I'd have to say, wouldn't you, Allison? For sure. For sure. And I'm, I'm kind of smiling because when I started my practice in Richmond, um, the original human uh, acupuncturist was who I was going to. And he, that's exactly what he specialized in was infertility. And I was doing just a smidgen, probably 15 to 20% of dogs in my practice for the first nine years. And I would get all kinds of referrals for him. And what these women would say is, well, I figure if Keith could get me, you know, pregnant with this stuff, it's got to help my cat. <laughs> so yes. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think out of all the things that, you know, uh, horse owners, which I am, and I show and such, um, I, and I, I get to talk to all of you guys as, as fellow horsemen and, and showmen. Um, 
if, if you're having an issue or struggling with things, it's getting easier and easier to talk to your general practitioners about these alternative uh, kind of holistic modalities, especially traditional Chinese veterinary medicine um, and everything that goes along with that, whether it's acupuncture, Chinese herbal medicines, tui na. Um, and I think we have to kind of pat Dr. Shea on the back for really getting that accepted from our colleagues because of all of the research that Chi University is is pushing out now that is peer-reviewed and and holds water can really stand on its own so yeah and I think if you if you begin that conversation with your regular veterinarian he may not have any experience at all but it starts the conversation and then we go into well how do we find someone that might be an expert uh, in TCVM in the area so that it's like you said it's a very good thing to have that um, discussion with for sure so I'm going to defer to you all um, more more expertise in the area is there are there things that you'd like to go over as far as kind of what normal breeding procedure is and when you would normally start to breed and maybe that's why you would start your tcvm treatments um months before you know breeding season and all that kind of thing was that how, what would you guys like to start there yeah yeah that's great allison yeah and, and yeah, you actually uh, reached out to me and asked me when was be would be a good time to have this talk to present to your to your listeners, and I'm like, oh my god, you know, most of the problems that I start getting, even though the the questions that I get are from practitioners in the field, it, it, it's a trickle down thing. It's coming from their clients too. We wait too long to address the problems, um, and now is the time to start getting these tricky to settle mares or stallions that have, you know poor progressive motility, whether it be cooled ship semen or post-thaw semen or whatever the problem is, it's time right now to start working on them. That That's not just Chinese medicine. I mean, that's Western medicine too. So I think we should start there. Why is now the time to start actually thinking about this? I do. And it's a little bit frustrating too, because as a reproductive practitioner for um, you know, Western-wise for 30-plus years, it's a little bit frustrating that it's, you know, uh, February 21st, and um, we're just getting our good first look at the mare, and we want to breed like she's ready. I think she's ready, and you're getting your first look, and that's not the time to do it, and that's something we try to stay away from is the fire engine part of it, putting out the fires. Let's go ahead and plan ahead of time. So in the fall is a perfect time to start. In the fall. And it, it, it absolutely. And it might seem, you know, folks are very cost conscious and this is not a cheap endeavor. That's for sure. And good quality Chinese veterinary medicine is not inexpensive either. So sometimes it can be a hard ask, you know, to put this money up front of, of the cart, right? But it is money well spent because like you said, John, if you start in February and you're trying for a foaling that's as soon in the year as possible. I know a lot of your practice was thoroughbred, so January 1 is super important for them. Not so much for my sport horse clientele. They don't really care. They'll drop foals in October. Uh, it doesn't matter to them. So I don't have that pressure on my practice, or at least I didn't, thank God, because that's awful for all kinds of reasons. But um, they need to, if you start, if you're behind the eight ball and you find out you have a mare with delayed urine clearance, 
um, and you're finding that out in April and May, I mean, that can take a few months to sort out. And now you are really late. So if, if time matters to you, whether that be because your breed association requirements or the realities of your sport or the realities of the climate that you're in, quite frankly, um, yeah, you better get on this, especially sooner than later, because you don't have a lot of time. So right now, as November is approaching, we're about to have daylight savings here at the time of this podcast. Um, the day length is getting short and these guys are long day breeders. And so we have to get them ready. And in Chinese medicine, this is important as well. So understanding you guys out there, understanding a little bit of the basics of Chinese medicine can really help you understand, you know, which horses this might be more important for or less important for. You know, so case in point, if you have a wood pat personality mare or stallion and last season they struggled in the spring when you were breeding them in your spring in your area. Um, now is the time to get that sorted out because we're entering we're about to enter water time of year and what feeds wood water. So if, wa if wood is weak, it needs more water. This is the time to start putting the water and your Chinese medicine practitioner will recognize that. That will be the pattern, the Chinese medicine pattern and the logic. And it's why it works so well in Western medicine without us knowing this at all, right? These horses, especially the mares. Would you, would you like to go over what a wood temperament mare is for the lay people that uh, might not know that by terminology off the top of their head? Uh, well, there are five elements. And it, you, it's wood and fire, then earth and metal and water. And they go in order and it order matters. If you have a wood personality mare, you, and many of you do, I'd have to say 80% of my practice consists of wood personality horses. At least 80, it might be higher. I think I'm being conservative. Why is that? That is because wood personalities are friendly, they're competitive, and they want to win. They want to win, whether that's a race horse, right? Or if it's just a horse that it, it will do two more can of pirouettes for you, even though it's exhausted and it's 90 something degrees outside, she will try. I mean, that she wants to win that thing. That is that personality for sure. Now, when they're out of balance, whether that, and this is the Chinese medicine part of it, if her yin yang is out of balance, or if her constitution, that being wood, is not quite balanced, she'll start showing clinical symptoms. One of those clinical symptoms, timely for this podcast, is reproduction failure, right? Because wood, it has a lot to do with the reproduction functions, a whole bunch of stuff. You guys know, I don't have to lecture to you guys about it, right? <laughs> so wood um, really helps regulate the uterus and the cervix, especially. And helps make sure that blood gets to the conceptus in the full. So that's super important. So if this wood personality mare is not in balance, she'll have those problems with reproduction. Now, of course, that's kind of hard to see from the outside. On the outside, what she'll see is she'll get more grumpy than usual because wood personalities also have very strong uh, senses of right and wrong. Let's put it that way. <laughs> if they think something's wrong, they're more than happy to tell you they think it's wrong. And that's healthy for this constitution. But if they're not in balance, that expression of this is wrong might be a kick, a buck, a rear, a bite, <laughs> pinned ears more so than usual. These are some early signs 
of behavioral signs that your wood bear is not quite happy. And trust me, I was very thankful for very strong, sturdy palpation stocks when these types of mares would end up at my clinic <laughs> with problems in the spring because those are the ones that were usually double barrel out to palpation for sure, for sure. Poor babies, right? And they tend to have other issues too, other trends. So if you're not sure if this is the mare you're dealing with or the stallion, this is goose and gander thing here. Um, they tend to have predispositions to having problems with eyes, all kinds of eye issues, you name it. Um, tendon ligament issues. They tend to be more predisposed to hoof problems too. So if this is the animal that you're dealing with, maybe you're listening because you're having problems with this animal. And this sounds like your mare or your stallion. Well, you probably have a wood personality. <laughs> and getting on that wood personality horse now in the winter as winter approaches will set herself and him up for better success in the spring. So uh, we have November coming. What, what would you recommend to the listeners um, if they have an interest in breeding in the spring? Um, what, what, what should they do now? Should they uh, have an exam done? Should they be teasing uh, every day or every couple times a week or so, getting an understanding of their cycle? So how, how do you recommend it for them? What do you recommend them for them to do in November? Whether it's the mare or the stallion, you should have your veterinarian or haul into a clinic or a referral clinic in for a thorough breeding soundness exam. Um, you want to check uh, that mare and the stallion of, is everything okay at the end of this natural breeding season? Um, you know, for the stallion, they, they may, they'll probably do a rectal palpation. They'll, they'll measure the, the testicles. They'll make sure their orientation is fine. They'll make sure there's body conditions doing well. They'll do a regular physical exam and make sure they're healthy. He's healthy and probably do several collections to see what his, uh, what his progressive motility is doing. Now, this is the kind of coming to the end of the year. So we don't expect it to be as robust as it might. We might expect it in April, May or June. But if it's really, really bad or all of his swimmers are doing acrobatics, then we know we have a problem right now. So you want to rule that out for sure for the stallion. For the mare, she's entering or entered, fully entered um, a time of her year called autumnal transition, aut like autumn autumnal transition. And that's when it's very natural and normal for a mare's cycles to start to disappear. They don't continue to cycle throughout the year, not normally, not unless you alter that, that cyclicity, that normal cyclicity through manipulation of their pituitary um, hypothalamic ovarian axis. And that would be through exposure to light, right? So there are some things you can do with light, and, but it, you know, we could spend this whole podcast just talking about Western reproduction. So I'm going to try to keep it the, the, the trend towards Chinese medicine management things. So I'll, I won't go into what the light management really is, but you want a breeding science, a soundness exam by a vet as well. She may or may not be an estrus and that's actually okay. Um, she doesn't need to be an estrus in order to get a good breeding sound exam. She could, should still get a culture, maybe a biopsy, ultrasound of her ovaries or uterus, palpation of her cervix, and honestly, for me, checking the cervix at, when she's not in estrus can be very helpful because a sloppy under the influence of estrogen cervix can be very difficult to palpate for tears um, or even small tears can cause a problem. So when they're up and tight and white, they can be kind of easier to be able to find these little tears. So this is something that your veterinarian can do. 
And based on that exam, they might be able to find what other Western medicine possible problems are happening. Because here's the thing. If your horse is having a medical condition, you know, name that medical condition. It can be anything. The repro reproduction functions in any animal is, is a sacrificial function for the body. What does that mean? It means that if things aren't going well for the body, say the body is stressed, either emotionally stressed or physically stressed or um, nutritionally stressed, the first thing that the body is going to stop paying attention to and letting go to pot is the reproduction function. That's the first thing that will shut down and come offline. So if you're having a problem, say you have a mare and she keeps having post-breeding endometritis, she keeps getting infections after she gets bred and they get very, very hard to manage clearing that out. That might not be her primary problem. You can treat that till you're blue in the face and she'll just keep getting that problem. But if that's a problem because she has early PPID, you have to treat the PPID to be able to clear that reproduction problem. And Chinese medicine can actually, and practitioners can pick that up early, as you guys know, because we pick them up all the time. And this time of year, it's very easy to pick it up. <laughs> the, sometimes the first sign is they start getting laminitis in the fall, right? And it's not just because they're getting frosted grass or something like that, which has actually been discredited as a cause, but um, Chinese, our, our palpation and our pulse diagnosis and tongue and getting these types of tidbits of information can lead us to that early diagnosis that will push us to go ahead and check for ACTH levels. Better to find that out now than later. Um, if you're lucky, the first symptoms of your PPID will be reproduction problems. Your first symptom of a PPID problem can be severe laminitis. So let's catch it before sooner than later. So this breeding soundness exam isn't just for their, 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 um, their private parts, folks. <laughs> it's also going to be a general physical exam by someone who's going to be looking for these things, knowing that these things can cause problems. And that it's not just PPID. It can be back pain, neck pain, any type of pain can cause mares and stallions subfertility issues that you're going to end up having to struggle with. So in, in November, they're going to have uh, probably two examinations. If the Western practitioner does not have any experience in TCVM, you would have a separate uh, examination uh, to try to get underlying uh, imbalances or things that are not right from both practitioners and work together. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're dealing with a, it's a great point because, you know, I, I'm kind of, I'm, I guess I'm a, I'm doing what a, what's called a philosopher's mistake, right? And philosopher's mistake is they think everybody else understands and reads philosophy and that it's sensible to them. <laughs> I was a equine reproduction practitioner who also had Chinese medicine in the, in the same practice. I was doing both. So it's true. Um, you're probably going to find that you're going to need to get a breeding soundness exam by someone who doesn't also offer Chinese medicine. And if that's the case, you'll need a separate Chinese medicine practitioner exam. And if you can have the Western medicine exam done first, sometimes that can be more helpful because then your Chinese medicine practitioner will be keyed into some of the things they need to be keyed into. The canary in the coal mine thing for reproduction is really important for you guys, everybody to understand. Um, and I'm constantly hammering it home to our veterinarians that we teach at Qi as well. And then the folks who call into me uh, asking for help. Uh, it's There's usually something else going on that's causing a reproduction functions 
to fail or falter. And then it's our job as clinicians to go and find that upstream problem. And I, I can't, Western medicine is getting better at this. Everybody, human doctors and TC, TCM practice, all of us are getting way, way better. But TCM or TCVM naturally has you going in that direction. Don't just treat the symptom, you know, go ahead, find the source of the problem that caused your symptom and then go after that. And then you end up with much better results. That's the main point. I think if nobody gets away with anything else that we say in this 45 minute or hour talk, then just remember that, that if you're having repro struggles um, with a critter, there's something probably else going on you need to chase down and find and fix. Wanted to just do a little share with you because this was back when I first graduated from uh, basic acupuncture. Uh, and I, I and this is the way it went for quite some time. It was more uh, of a situation where, you know, we've tried everything in Western medicine, but we still have to, we breed her and she keeps getting dirty and then we have to flush her out and we're, you know, two or three years now, we haven't had a full. So this is um, one case that I had was exactly like that. It was a broodmare. She was 19. She had raised $2 million uh, winners on the track. And same scenario, breeder, dirty, breeder, dirty. Uh, and so I looked at her from a TCVM perspective and treated her for six weeks for spleen chi deficiency. Well, that may not mean anything to the readers, I mean, to the listeners, but um, the problem was her uterus was sitting in a hole, way down dependent. So she was unable to clear after a breeding. She just was there and it's kind of a little swampy down there and it would just get dirty. So what we did was we treated her for spleen she deficiency. And the owner said after three, four treatments, she was be being kinder to her friends, her, her stable mates. She was actually looking more youthful and dappled, meaning that she, her abdomen was up a little bit. And on palpation of her uterus, it was sitting up higher in, in, in the abdomen. So we, by just doing traditional Chinese medicine, both acupuncture and herbal, we were able to raise her up and the end of the story is three times we bred her three years in a row, one cover, and she got three babies. That's awesome. Doesn't that make you feel good? It really does. And that's when I uh, said, you know what, I need more of this. So um, I became doing more and more and more and, and can really help, and, um, you know, difficult cases. But again, the point was, let's do that. Look at her in November, not February. Yeah, let's let's discover this sooner than later so we have some time because like you just said, it took you 6 weeks, you know, before you started seeing some results and if and if you don't find out many times with my referral clinic cuz I was getting the the mares and the stallions that were had been struggling for se several months out there in the field. So, we were talking, you know, my busiest times were June and July of trying to salvage a breeding season. And uh yeah, it's you're playing catch up. And it's your, your luck's going to be a lot better if you start playing, trying to play catch up now in November than waiting until April. That's for sure. That's. And so, so along the lines of, of TCVM, you know, 
I think what the listeners would like to hear too, a little bit about, okay, let's say I have an ovary problem. Okay. Maybe the mare's not cycling regularly. Maybe she's not cycling at all. Maybe she's got some cysts or maybe she uh, doesn't ovulate properly. Um, so that's an ovary problem. And then we may have issues of um, the uterus, maybe tending to get uh, infections. Um, how do, or, or, you know, how, or our cycles are all messed up. They're coming and going. So how, how do you TCVM wise, I guess I'm trying to, to say that we approach it based on a diagnosis. Yes, that's our most important aspect, trying to figure out what we can do. Yeah, well, it's it's not just a diagnosis, right? It's a Chinese medicine diagnosis, which is very different than a Western medicine diagnosis. So, let's take one one little slice out of all those those um, symptoms you gave me, which are all really common, and and there's probably a lot of people dealing with most of those things out there since they're listening. If you're looking at problems with ovaries, right? Well, in Chinese medicine, we don't have ovary points. You know, we don't have ovary Chinese herbal medicine that helps with ovaries. You have to go by a Chinese medicine diagnosis. And there's there's many, especially in reproduction, that could cause a problem with the ovaries. Many times it involves kidney when it's ovaries, um, if it's directly ovaries. But it can be a combination of things. You know, um, if you have anovulatory follicles, it tends to be a kidney chi problem. A deficiency there tends to be irregular cycles can be owned by kidney or liver and many times both acting at the same time. So many times that's an irregular cycle. Um, you know, if you have horses with just plain old liver cheese stagnation, they don't have as much problems with ovary problems as much as they have problems with a cervix that won't open you know, um, or a uterus that just doesn't have more early embryonic death problems with those because you don't get good blood supply to the uterus and or the um, oviducts. But it really depends is all of our students hate hearing of what that pattern is and what it's gonna fix. And many times, you know, one diagnosis, Chinese medicine diagnosis, if the horse has multiple problems, they get fixed under that umbrella. Um, so, you know, like if you have the equine metabolic syndrome horse, right? You don't want your mares or stallions to be overconditioned during breeding season. We all know that. I have an old, old book that actually says that fat mares don't conceive well. Like it was written in 1800 something. It's like, make sure they're in an increasing plane of nutrition, not dieting when you try to breed them. Well, Chinese medicine, they've known that for thousands of years. That's, that's phlegm damp obstruction, right? <laughs> so that extra fat, it may or may not have it a spleen element to that it doesn't have to many times it does but it doesn't have to and those are fat horses you know and you, you have to put them on a diet ahead of time before you try to breed them you don't want to be dieting when you try to breed them they may already struggle with that if you have a mare that's been bred uh, once and you have an ultrasound examination and the embryos there and you come back two weeks later and it's gone and this is happening now two or three times that that um that it, it doesn't survive very long. And that can be very frustrating for um, the owner, the breeder, and so on and so forth. So what would you typically see if, in a case if that was going on where the early embryonic death was happening frequently? Um, you know, if you have an older mare um, and she's uh, there's kidney issues, 
you know, she has kidney chi issues that can cause it just because of kidney, just because of chi deficiency can cause that, you know, she just doesn't have enough essence left in her kidney jing or not enough kidney jing to be able to hold another life. A life starts and there's just not enough there to fuel it. So if you have an older mare, that can definitely be the, the problem, in which case acupuncture and Chinese medicine can definitely get another full or two out of her. Uh, those types of mares, those old mares that are just, they're struggling. And you can tell from their own body condition, they're struggling, right? Um, they, their top line is missing. They have this pendulous abdomen. They may or may not have PPID or diagnose PPID, but they're just a little dull. They used to be a big competitor. And now they just kind of loaf around the pasture. We're going to try and get one more full out of mare type thing. I would usually start that mare on like an uh, epimedium, you know, um, and, uh, and some regular acupuncture, but she's going to need at least, at least three treatments, probably better more starting now, if it's that mare. And then you'll, you should have an easier time. She should have an easier time holding a conceptus to be able to carry it to term. The other time that I, I would see Chinese medicine wise, a lot of EED would be either wood mares that are out of balance. And then of course you guys know this and you end up with liver over controlling spleen. And when you end up with the liver over controlling spleen, spleen is in charge of holding tissues in proper place. And according to Chinese medicine, a conceptus is a tissue and it should main, remain there to be in proper place until it's time to go. So that's a spleen chi deficiency, but that's due to a liver problem. That's due to that wood mare not being in balance by the time that she got bred and, and settled. And she won't stay settled if that does not get cleared up. I saw a lot of those were the cause of early embryonic deaths. Well, the other category for early embryonic death in these mares that I saw frequently there's a whole bunch of patterns that can happen, but I'm trying to keep it reasonable and, and useful is if you have a mare who's like your favorite babysitter mare, right? She's the mare you put the kids on, you know, for, for lessons, for beginner lessons and things like that. And even if she was a high-end competitor at one time, she, and you know, she was, she was, you know, a little bit of a challenge for uh, a professional ride. She will always tone herself down for someone who she can sense is not quite as good as them. That's an earth mare. Earth mares are friendly. They're not as competitive, but they're like the big Italian grandmothers. <laughs> they want to give you a big warm hug all the time. Well, the meridian within that is spleen. So when we're talking about spleen, it belongs to earth. If these horses, if these earth horses are not in balance and aren't healthy, especially if their spleen chi is deficient, these mares will lose their conceptuses early as well. So those are the three main categories of mares, Chinese medicine wise, that I worry about EED and treating them now can help. And so if you have, if you have that, that young mare that keeps losing that, that the, the fetus uh, early, um, is there, and you feel like maybe that is uh, disharmony between the liver and spleen, is there an herbal formulation that you would think might be helpful for that? There's many, there's many. I can think off the top of my head about six or seven. The main easiest one that our practitioners usually grab, and they can have very good luck with it, would be a herbal formula called liver happy. You could put her on liver happy for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, and that can be helpful. How about pregnancy smoother? 
pregnancy smoother is very helpful in those mares that you think they're going to slip or that you think their CLs or their progesterone levels need a little bit of help. So in lieu of using Regimate, you can use Pregnancy Smoother. <laughs> um, pregnancy Smoother was given to all of our recipient mares at my embryo transfer facility after an embryo was put into them. Immediately after, they got put on Pregnancy Smoother. And they were kept on Pregnancy Smoother until day 90 of conception. Yeah, post-conception. Yes, and I had to a lot of times convince people not to use both, but I did move, move a, a significant number over to Pregnancy Smoother. And just in general for the listener, what would be the cost of using Pregnancy Smoother versus Regimate? Oh, you know, I rarely prescribe Regimate at all in my practice. I, I was more successful than you um, <laughs> in talking them out of using Regimate Altrinogis. And I always disappointed the Altrinogis reps when they come to my repro clinic, which was a very busy place. They wanted to sell me cases of it for sure. But I was, since most of the folks that were coming to my practice went ahead and gave me permission to use Chinese medicine, over 80, over 95% of the folks that came to me would do that. Um, it was, they were already primed for that, um, not to use it, but I don't know how much Altrinogist is anymore. Um, the cost, if you, if you're using pregnancy smoother at a normal dose for about a thousand pound horse is it, it's ranging in between, depending on, you know, where you live and how far it needs to be shipped and what your shipping costs are, are between like $125 a month to maybe $200 a month for that. And, um, yeah, it's it, we found it very helpful. We had very, very good success rates with our embryo transfer program, and we were not dealing with a lot of young horses like a lot of these other embryo transfer facilities were using, which I was always envious of. <laughs> they were breeding healthy young stallions to healthy young mares and getting as many over, you know, embryos a year out of them as they could. I instead were getting the older dressage mares or Grand Prix jumping mares that no longer could compete, but they want to have babies now, but they're 15 and 16 years old. And so I ended up with those mares with frozen semen from a dead stallion type stuff. So <laughs> no pressure, but those were the cases that we had. And they almost all got acupuncture and Chinese herbals. And, you know, if they were going to carry the term, I usually talk them onto pregnancy smoother as well, at least for the first 90 days. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great formula. Yeah, and I remember back in the day, we would have a client that uh, may or she would abort for whatever reason, certainly many, many causes. Uh, and then they would say, well, I want to put her on Regimate the next year, and she has a baby. So now this mare is on Regimate for the rest of her life. Um, and I, I find that uh, it's unnecessary. And um, you, and and we, we're, we're actually doing progesterone measurements and they're normal, but there's that thinking that I need an insurance policy somehow. And I find that the pregnancy smoother was reliable. However, sometimes clients would get frustrated in that we would do another TCBM exam and find out that maybe the liver's doing good. Maybe it's not causing us a problem. We have to look at something else. And now we're going to change that formula to meet the pattern that we're currently seeing. So it requires a little bit of, of, you know, um, uh, loss of superstition. <laughs> Well, I think it's awesome that you uh, you guys um, are not having to use both things. I think that the mental 
shift from using medications to herbs takes a lot of courage for a lot of clients when they're really used to um, what the industry says is the standard. And it's wonderful that as a group, we're kind of creating a new standard. Yes, absolutely. And it's, and it's confusing to to um, our colleagues too, not just, just not the folks that are listening and the horsemen that are out there. Chinese medicine is weird and different than Western medicine. Western medicine goes like this. You have a stomach ulcer. What do you do? You, you start at Meprazole or Gastrogard or Prilosec or whichever critter you're treating for the stomach ulcer. Chinese medicine isn't like that. You have a critter, whether that be you or your horse or your dog or whoever has stomach ulcers that can be caused by multiple diagnoses from Chinese medicine. There is not one Chinese herbal formula that treats stomach ulcers. That's not the way Chinese medicine works. And so that's hard for us as practitioners to, to unhook ourselves, uncouple that thinking. It's very difficult, but it's getting better. It's getting better. People are starting to think that way. The alternatives or the Regimate prescription, I think I prescribed it twice. Um, and basically what I was doing is I was treating the client <laughs> because, and I told one client this, she, she was basically pushing me to prescribe her and send her home with some progesterone because this mare routinely would lose her folds and I had gotten her pregnant and I had her on pregnancy smoother and another Chinese herbal formula that fit her pattern, which was causing her problems in my opinion. And this lady wanted a prescription for regimen and I was balking at it and she said, oh, well, and then she basically stepped forward and you know, kind of bowed up and said, nah, no doc, I want this prescription. And I looked at her and I said, okay, but realize that I'm treating you and not your horse. And, and it, and, and she just stopped. <laughs> she was like, what? Sometimes it's the reverse. Yeah. It's the reverse in that you, you prescribe and you do good and so on. But on that occasion where let's say a mayor is not on uh, the regimate or so on, and she does abort, it it uh, creates a little bit of tension between the owner and the doctor. But I, I think if we're true to our TCVM principles, um, we're going to have great success in, in getting mares to conceive and full. It's true. And and here's the other thing I want to drive home to. And you guys, you and Allison agree too. We've talked about this before. I'm not anti-Western medicine, not at all. I'm all for it. I, I prescribe omeprazole. I prescribe Paracin. I, I would, I, I would prescribe um, Alternagist or um, Regimate if I knew I was going to have my hands on that mare repeatedly over time. Why I was not, um, happy or willing to use Regimate in many cases is I, um, I had a colleague who had a case where this mare kept losing the full late term. And um, they decided to put this mare on big doses of Regimate to keep this full to term. And it worked. And then it killed the mare and the conceptus doing that. Because what happened was it trumped her ability to recognize that she had a defective full that she would, if she kept gestating it, she would not be able to deliver. She was basically gestating monsters. She had a congenital defect of some sort, and that's why she was losing these pregnancies. So West, what Western medicine does is it basically stops the natural process or sim, sim, systems of recognizing these problems and being able to do something effectively to mitigate it doing any harm, especially to the mare. So this basically, she, she came to term 
they took her off of the regiment and she couldn't pass this monster. The foal had leg, a leg that was, had developed in an opposite direction and it didn't have a, it didn't have any brain matter in its skull and its neck was twisted and its mouth was all messed up. She couldn't deliver it. And she died trying to, had we had just had her on Chinese medicine, what the Chinese medicine won't do is it won't let that happen. That mare would have lost that foal even with the Chinese medicine. The Chinese medicine would have let it gone by, you know, because that would have been the right thing, natural thing to do. And that's why I love Chinese medicine. You know, it's interesting. I've, I, uh, I trained a little bit in uh, TCM and human acupuncture. And my teacher at the time said in his practice, he has 60, 65% success rate in turning a breech pregnancy uh, using acupuncture. So there may be times when, uh, and I have not had that experience in, in the equine at all. I've never done that. Uh, breech pregnancies are quite unusual, but just an interesting idea that we can actually use acupuncture needles to turn, to turn uh, a fetus, I think it's 35th week, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah, I know where you're going on that one because there are. There definitely are. You want to train traditional Chinese veterinary medicine, veterinarian doing acupuncture on your horse. This isn't something you don't want to mess with this because there are acupuncture points that can move the conceptus up and out prematurely, prematurely. So, um, and they will be trained to know what those are. And they're usually points that what we call move blood, capital B blood, not just our blood that's running through our veins. It's the Chinese concept of blood. So you don't want to needle those and points that are too strong. Now, that doesn't mean you can't acupuncture mares that are pregnant. I do all the time. It scares the bejesus out of our colleagues, for sure. <laughs> I have to do a lot of hand holding of them to encourage them to do that. And it can be very helpful for these mares, especially older mares that have arthritis or back pain or really bad edema and later in the, um, their later gestation, we can really help them with that lower limb edema and that ventral pitting edema that they'll develop to make them more comfortable if they're seriously uncomfortable. There are Chinese herbal formulas as well that are contraindicated for pregnancy. And your trained Chinese veterinary medicine practitioner will know what those are. Um, there's a study that was done, I think it's through John Hopkins University that did the study, and they used moxibustion on bladder 67. And they were able to take a breech presentation uh, human baby and, and reverse its position into normal presentation within, I think it was 45 minutes. Yeah, and, and totally incredible. It's, it's crazy fun. And moxibustion, you know, it's a great segue into acupuncture using moxibustion. Moxibustion, for those of you who don't know what it is, it's a way uh, humans used to do acupuncture on each other before they ever had needles. And so they treated the meridians and any of the disharmonies or the flow of chi without having needles, but with moxibustion. And what it is, it's, it's direct applied heat to the point that of, that you want to use. And so, and it has a, it's smoky. It, it smells, we always laugh. It smells like Poor quality marijuana, I'm told. I, I have no idea. 
I've never smoked marijuana, but no, really, it wasn't, I didn't inhale. I like, I didn't smoke cause I had asthma. And so I, smoking was not, um, didn't seem like a good idea for an asthmatic. So, but moxibustion can be very, very powerful. And what's cool is if you get a Chinese medicine practitioner like Allison or John or myself or anybody who's trained in it, we can leave behind one of these moxibustion sticks. They're special sticks that you light up and they, they glow really hot at the end. And we can show you where to put them on your horse through like four minutes a point safely to help, say, your stallion with back pain so that he doesn't have so much back pain when he goes to be collected at the phantom, say. Because some stallions struggle with being collected at the phantom, not because they're being naughty, but because their back hurts or their hips hurt or their hocks hurt or their stifles hurt. You know, so we, we should treat those things. Eastern and Western medicine wise, but you, the owners can help boost that in between treatments with these moxibustion sticks and your, your TCVM practitioner should be pretty happy to show you how to do that. So that's pretty cool. Uh, I have clients that love that. They love doing that for sure. It can be helpful. Very helpful. Yeah. Very good. Well, this has been wonderful and maybe, um, uh, we can just do a little recap of, of, of the most important things in considering uh, coming into the breeding season is, is first, let's do it now, not later. Um, let's get an understanding from both a Western perspective and an Eastern perspective and know that we, we can certainly help many, many conditions or patterns that occur in the animal, but we have to do the exam. We have to figure that out. Uh, and then it becomes a wonderful dance to be able to get the end product, which is a live, healthy foal. Well, we have thoroughly enjoyed listening to Dr. Vicki Harvey in enlightening us about TCVM and reproductive issues, both in the mare and the stallion. It's been totally delightful. I've learned a lot myself. So uh, we appreciate you. And would you mind sharing with us uh, your website so uh, listeners might be able to get uh, connected with you? Oh, John, thank you. The pleasure was all mine. You know, anytime I get a chance to share this amazing uh, medicine modality as an addition to, you know, veterinary medicine, general practice, I'm, I'm happy to do that. But um, I do have a website. My website is at www.wellbeingsvet.net. Wellbeings, all one word, vet.net. And um, folks, if they want to get more information or check out my blogs or ask a question or get in touch with me, they can do so through that website. So as always, um, Chinese medicine takes a lot of schooling in order to do this well. So it's very important that you contact um, a TCVM trained veterinarian to do your acupuncture and your scanning and your herbs and all of that sort of thing. And you can find one of those at chiu.edu, which is chiu.edu. And they have a find a practitioner button somewhere down the page um, that you can type in your, your um, what is it called? <laughs> your zip code. And, uh, you know, within 50 miles of your place, you can find someone who has been trained at Chi um, to help you out with your animal. Yes, and you can get in touch with myself, uh, Dr. Allison Marshall, through going to chiuniversity.edu. Uh, that way we can connect and, and maybe share emails and discuss whatever your needs might be. So that's it for another month. We, are, uh, we have the podcast on the last Tuesday of every month, so we'll see you all next month. 
And remember, if your path demands that you walk through hell, walk as if you own the place. 